0: Genesis chapter number 1 and the book of John chapter number 15 this morning. The book of Genesis chapter number 1 and the book of John chapter number 15. What I'm doing is I'm going around the country and I'm just preaching simple sermons. How many of you like it short, sweet, and simple? Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I, I tried for a season of time to get in depth. Amen. And I got down in there and got in the depth for a while and I got lost. Amen. And so I just decided I'm gonna come out, amen, and uh, and just make it short and simple and sweet, uh, just for a season of time, amen. And so what we are doing is just going around and we are preaching sermons that I like to call one word that paints a picture. Say that with me. One word that paints a picture. Here's today's word. Tonight we'll preach another word tonight. But here's today's word for this morning. This word for this morning is valuable. Valuable. Say it with me. Valuable. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27. Let's pick up there. Genesis 1 and 27, And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Look at what God said in his first instruction. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Now turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15 this morning. And we'll look and we'll stay in the book of John chapter 15 for a season of time today. John chapter 15 and pick up with me in verse number 8. John chapter 15 and verse number 8 says these words, And herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now skip down to verse 16, and we're done for our reading this morning. You have not chosen me, but I, God here, I have chosen you, I've ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit. You should go and bring forth fruit. Be fruitful and multiply. Your job is to bring forth fruit. I've ordained you. I've chosen you to bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name He may give it to you. Father in heaven, I love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I just pray, Father, as we open up this one word this morning, I pray for the anointing and the precious power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me now. I pray that you'd make my mouth the pen of a ready writer, that I might write upon the tablets of the hearts of men and women in this room. I pray that Brennan Ayers would become the oracle of God, and that, Father, Lord, the stain of the word of the Lord, Father, would stain every heart in this house, Lord, with the word valuable and I thank you and give you praise and all God's children said amen. The key that he's saying in these two different texts of scripture is he's saying one word. He's saying go and be fruitful. Go and be fruitful. Fruit was a form of, 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 of money in Bible times. Fruit was a form of value in Bible times. In our time, in our day, and in our age, when we say the word fruitfulness or be fruitful, many of us think of the words of prosperity. Many of us think of the words of a good marriage or a good home or a good family. But what he's stating here in saying be fruitful is he's saying have a full, abundant, healthy, overflowing Christian life. That's what he's talking to you about. That's what he's saying to you. Now look at verse 16 this morning. And he says these words. He says, I'm not, you haven't chosen me, but I chose you. I ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. And then look at what he says, that your fruit here should remain. How many of you know, how many of you would like to see that every blessing that happens in your life would just stick and stay there? How many of you know the devil is a, is a thief that comes out to try to distort, distort or destroy or steal away everything God gives you? Amen. But he says, listen, this fruitfulness that I want in your life, I want it to remain there. Let me tell you something the devil cannot steal from you. He can steal your money. He can steal your home and your bank account from you. But you know what the devil can't steal from you? He can't steal your character. He can't steal your character. He says, here's what I want to happen in you. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to have an abundant, blessed Christian life. But this fruit that I give you, not money, not things, not stuff, the fruit that I give you, spiritual fruit, I want it to stay there. I want it to stay there. The one thing that I see as I travel the country is I see people that are still wishy-washy. I see people that are still one day they're a Christian, the next day they're not a Christian. One day they're on fire for God, the next day they're not on fire for God. Guys, let me tell you something. It's not about being on fire for God. It's about sticking and staying with God. Now listen, I grew up in old time Pentecost. I, I grew up in a time where all you had to do was shout Jesus or shout the rapture and somebody would say, hey, ticket ticky, and everybody would run around the church. <laughs> I, I just, I grew up that way. And every preacher that would ever come and preach to us, Jojo and Shane, all they would ever talk about is you need an experience with God. You need an experience with God. Well, I'm having trouble in my finances. You need an experience with God. I'm having trouble in my marriage. You need an experience with God. And all they ever made it about was the altar and getting an experience with God. If your house was on fire and you called the pastor and said, "Hey, I need help for someone to send the fire department over to come and put my house out because it's on fire." He would bow his head and he would say invariably to you, "Well, you just need another experience with God." You need an experience with God. If if your child or your baby was sick and they needed prayer he'd pray for your baby and then after he prayed for your baby and anointed you with oil he would say you two need to get in the altar and you need to have an experience with God I mean everything was about an experience with God if you did bad on your math test in sixth grade you just needed a better experience with God no you need to go home and study You need to go home and study. You don't need a better experience with God if you did bad on your math test. And so everything around me growing up as a kid all had to do with the experience. If the shout was loud enough, if the atmosphere was charged enough, if everything felt electric enough. But here's what I found out. Experiences are good, but what do you do after you've had the experience? How do you live after you've had the experience? What's left is your character. It's your character. Sow a thought, you reap an act. Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap character. Sow character, you recap or you, or, you, or you initiate a destiny in your life. Uh, character is simply just this. It's a long habit that continues and continues and continues. Abigail Van Buren said this in her book. She said, the best index to a person's character is how they treat people who can't do them any good and how they treat people who can't fight back that has everything to do with your character now look in John 15 and let's break down the story here just for a second Jesus is giving a parable and he's talking about the vine dresser and vines think in your mind vines this is not an orchard this is not a garden here this is a vineyard this is vines growing on trellises he says these words in John 15 and verse 2 Almost when he begins to say it, he begins almost to sound harsh. He almost begins to sound ruthless in his first verse here. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He goes on a little bit further in the scripture and he says, After I take it away, then every branch that doesn't bear fruit in me, I prune it. I cut on it. So it almost sounds like that when you get started with God, the first thing we ought to tell you is that God's going to cut on you. Or God's going to whittle on you. Or God's going to take something away from you. But that word there, takeaway, is, uh, is the wrong word in this sense because in the Greek, if Jesus was speaking in the Greek, the word takeaway is the word eros. It's the word Eros. Now think for me just for a few moments. You're in a vineyard. A strong storm comes in this vineyard and these little tender vines are on, uh, uh, are on the branch and on the vine of the grapevine. A strong storm comes in. Those vines are connected to the trellis and because they're connected to the trellis, some of those vines stay on in the middle of the storm. Some of them lose their leaves but some of them, some of the tender ones stay, uh, get to a place where they're not connected anymore to the trellis because the storm knocks them off of the trellis and knocks them down into the dirt and knocks them down into the mud and so those vines if they stay down in the mud and stay down in the dirt you know what will happen to them they'll get mildew on them. And it will infect the vine and it will cause the vine to become infected and not be fruitful. And so he says in the word in John 15, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, I take away. The Greek word for take away is eros, which means I lift it up. I lift it up you know what we need in the body of Christ we need a ministry that when people go through the storms of life and they're connected to the vine they're not disconnected but they are connected to the vine and they get knocked down in the mud we need a ministry that just picks those people up out of the mud and just takes them away and just lifts them up and begins to wash them and then reconnects them to the trellis Reconnects them to the vine, reconnects them to the place where the vine is planted. That's what the word takeaway means. That's that translation of takeaway. New branches have a tendency to trail along the ground, even from the bottom of the vine, and they don't bear fruit. But what the vine dresser does is he takes them and picks them up out of the mud and he reattaches them to the trellis. Now, that's why verse 3 makes more sense. Look at verse 3. He says, You are now clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. How do you get cleaned up? You got cleaned up because you started out muddy. You started out on the ground. You started out muddy. You started out in a storm that knocked you off of the trellis. You're still connected to the vine. I'm not saying you're unsaved. I'm just saying something in life pushed you down but the vine dresser came along and picked you up and washed you off how did he wash you he washed you in his word and that's why he says you are now clean through the word that i've spoken unto you let's talk for just a few minutes about a trellis everybody say the trellis the trellis is where the vine is planted at the base of it the trellis has a pole the pole is put into the ground but it's not put there with any concrete It's just set in the dirt and set in the ground as strong as it can be because there's a reason for this that there's no concrete to the bottom of the pole and I'll show it to you in just a few moments. But in the understanding of this trellis, in a Jewish trellis it's not a metal pole, it's a wooden pole and it goes into the ground, comes up out of the ground, straight up out of the ground, this pole and the vine begins to grow up the trellis and there's a board in the middle of it and it looks like this. looks like this it's got a vine going that way it's got a vine going this way it's got a vine going up through the top and it's rooted and grounded at the bottom and it's attached to the trellis And you know what happens? I'm going to get way ahead of myself here just for the sake of time. And I'm going to say this to you. The time that he prunes the vine, look back at verse number 2. The Bible says he does prune it. The Bible says he does purge it. The Bible says he does cut on it. But do you know when you prune a grapevine? Do you know when they prune grapevines in California? When they prune grapevines in the midst of Wine Valley? They do it every three and a half years. They wait and let that grapevine grow for three and a half years. And when that grapevine grows year after year after year, every three and a half years they prune it and it grows, but it's attached to the trellis. And you know what happens to the trellis over time? The trellis gets lifted up out of the ground and the grapevine is holding the trellis up out of the ground. Now it makes sense. Now we understand that every Christian has got to learn how to take up their and follow me hallelujah that means that cross is connected to you you're connected to that cross but the pruning only happens every three and a half years i've met some christians that blame god for cutting on them every day of their life if god was cutting on you every day of your life how could he get any fruit out of you If God was cutting on you every time you come to the altar, cutting on you every time you went into the pastor's office, how would he get any fruit? He doesn't want to cut on you because what's inside of you is valuable. What's inside of you is is, is valuable to him. It's currency to him. It's something that's good for him. So whether you've fallen in the dirt or you've just settled for living beneath your potential, listen, God's not in the idea or in the business of trying to throw you away because what's connected to that vine is valuable to him and he's trying to get some fruit out of it. He's trying to get some fruit out of it. I'll read you one scripture. Look at Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 4 through 7 says these words. Paul said this, And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, look at what he says, so walk in him. And then he says, get rooted in him and get built up in him. Get connected to him. Get connected to the trellis. And then abound therein, established in the faith with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Listen, God is not trying to cut on you. God is not trying to wound you. God is not trying to hurt you because what is inside of you is very valuable to him. Now, let's get to the cutting part just for a second because I know that I've got to explain the scripture. And look at what he says in verse 2 of John 15. He says, every branch in me that bears not fruit, I lift it up. I attach it to the trellis. I make sure that it gets to its proper place. And every branch, he says it again, that beareth fruit, this is what I purge. This is what I cut on, that it will bring forth more fruit. I do this. Why? Because without periodic pruning, the vine will only produce a fraction of its potential harvest. Vineyards only have one purpose. The purpose of a vineyard is to produce grapes. That's the purpose of the vineyard. Let me tell you something. First Assembly of God in Heber Springs has one purpose. One purpose. One purpose. It's not worship. It's not better buildings. It's not more staff. It's more grapes more souls, more people. But every person has to be has to be realized in the sense that we're not in for quantity just for quantity's sake. No, we're into the quantity by the quality we can receive, by the quality we can have, which means every person in this church is valuable to God and needs to be discipled, needs to be fruitful, needs to be abundant, needs to be growing, needs to be pruned, needs to be lifted up out of the mud, needs to be attacked, to the trellis needs to be a part of the family and that's why we're starting connect groups amen I'm plugging for connect groups this morning but here's what the pruner does the pruner has four things in his mind he removes the dead things or the dying things He makes sure that sunlight gets to the fruit bearing branches increasing the size and the quality of the grapes and he encourages new grapes to begin to develop on the vine. And so when we talk about this in context of your value to God if God has taken something away in your life let the sunlight of his love shine in that empty area. Why? Because he's trying to get better grapes out of you. He's trying to get better fruit out of your life. And if God does have to prune something and he does have to take something away, all he's doing by taking something away from you or pruning you is making more room in you for greater abundance for greater abundance in your life. Well, pastor said we lived in southern Missouri and we still do live in southern Missouri and I get my stuff for my garden. I have a 3,000 square foot garden uh, on the farm at our house and we, we farm that garden every year. Sister Karen, uh, I farm it and grow it and Sister Karen puts it up. Come on, ladies. Y'all know who does the real work of gardening. And glory to God. And, and we put up all that stuff out of that garden and I go to a greenhouse in Thayer, Missouri to a man named Kenny Tackett Kenny Tackett has orchards there by his greenhouse and he also has grapevines growing there all around his orchard there in Thayer, Missouri. And he grows only organic stuff in his greenhouse and that's what we go and we buy and we put in our garden. When I first met Kenny Tackett, he was out in the middle of his orchard and there were all of these stumps out there stumps everywhere, these big, tall stumps, Pastor. And I said, man, I said, I guess you're going to cut all of this down and burn it for firewood over this winter. He said, oh, no, 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 I've been pruning. Stump. Out in the middle of this orchard, and they, there might be one that have one little shoot on it this way. There might be one that have a little shoot on it over on this way. I went over to his peach tree. His peach tree looked like a mattress uh, had exploded. I, I mean, it just it, it 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 just the it it just I mean, there was sawdust everywhere. There were limbs laying all around this peach tree, and there was one limb, Jojo, coming out the side of this peach tree. And I said, "Why'd you leave that one limb?" He said, "Oh, I cut it off at the nub." He said, "Because that's where." I get my biggest peaches that's where I get my biggest peaches and he said they'll grow out he said you come back to the orchard when the vines began to grow out and the, and the leaves on the trees of the stumps began to grow out of my orchard he said you come back he said I'll show you how to prune these things I came back a few months later bought some more stuff from my garden went out to Kenny Tackett's orchard and there was three branches on one tree two branches on another tree five branches on another tree and they were all spread out and many of them were bending over and they had long Large fruit on those orchard trees, on those vines. And I said, Why did you cut them this way? He said, I cut them that way so they could get airflow and pollen could flow through the tree. He said, Because if you don't get airflow and you don't get pollen flowing through the tree, he said, the fruit won't pollinate and it won't make any fruit. You know why sometimes God has to prune you? Because some of you are so thick, the Holy Ghost can't blow through you. Amen. Some of you are so thick and you are so full of yourself God has to move a few branches so that when the wind of the Holy Ghost blows through you, you can spiritually pollinate and make some fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. And he says, the reason I open those trees up like that is so that when the wind blows, it won't knock the tree over. Some of you have so many branches and are so thick and so full of yourself. When the wind begins to blow and the storm begins to happen in your life because you won't let God prune you, then all God has to do because you're lifted up in pride is humble you and the only other choice he has is to knock you over. And some of you got knocked over because you wouldn't let yourself get pruned. Huh? 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 Shout amen if I say huh. Amen. That's my word of asking you for an amen is a huh. Okay. Okay. Hallelujah. That's what we mean by, huh, amen. And he says he purges it and he makes more fruit come from it. He says, I've run out of room on this trellis. And he said, I've got a really fruitful vine here, so I've got to prune it. And you know what he does when he prunes fruitful vines? He starts another vine. He starts another vine. Some of the things that God wants to take out of you, he doesn't want to take out of you because he wants to throw it away. He wants to take it out of you so he can plant it somewhere else and start it in someone else. You know how they start grapevines? They start them in a bucket of water that got cut off of another grapevine. And when they're connected to that trellis, they're connected to that cross. He builds another cross and that grape vine grows out this way and it connects to another cross and then it grows out that way and it connects to another cross and to another cross and to another cross. You know how unity is going to always happen in this church when you realize you're connected to the vine and you're connected to the cross and that's connected to the cross in another person and connected to the cross in another person and connected to the cross in another person? Hallelujah. And then you have unity and then you have order. But in order to start new vines, those fruitful vines have to be cut and placed in a bucket of water and then they begin to sprout roots and he plants them in another place. You know, when God asked us to leave West Plains, Missouri, I said, "God, what are you doing?" I said, "We're we're doing okay." there's some fruit on the vine there's some fruitful places here what are you doing now father we just got a church out of, a, out of 80 some odd thousand dollars worth of debt we, we have money in the bank now what are you doing now God why are you cutting on a fruitful vine now because God wanted it planted in another place He wanted it planted in another place and connected to another cross so that it could connect to another cross. And some of the things that God takes out of your life, he wants from your life so he can plant it in someone else. And look at what else he says in John 15. And I'm done this morning. And that's this. Eight times in John 15, he says it this way. He says, you've got to abide. You've got to abide. Why does he say you have to abide? Because it's not natural for us as Christians in our humanity to continually abide in Christ. It's not natural for us. And because it's not natural for us, if we don't constantly keep the word abide in Christ in our life, the less our fruit appears and the less our fruit happens. doesn't mean we're not Christians. It doesn't mean we're not connected to the vine. It just means we have less fruitfulness because we're not receiving from that vine. We're not abiding in that vine. And therefore our fruit is not really producing because of the lack of our abiding in Christ. And eight times in John 15 he says over and over again abide in me, abide in me, abide in me and when you do that you see you can't even begin to have the kind of impact with your fruitfulness without first achieving the one thing that you're likely to neglect the most and that's and to crowd out of your life and that's simply to abide in God and to abide in Jesus and abide in his word and he says if no one abides in me he said, that's when they are cast out as a branch and as their wizard. This past year, over the spring, we planted watermelons. How many of you like watermelons in your garden? We planted watermelons in our garden and this old farmer, Lehman Atkinson, come out to our garden and he was talking to me he grew up in the depression he grew up in the times when they had the dust bowl he's still amen, still alive grew up during the dust bowl and he talked about the dust bowl and how they fed their cattle they didn't grow hay they grew turnips to feed their cattle and they would grow turnips by the truckload and dry them out and quarter them up and he said that he said that's how we fed our cows during the dust bowl as he fed we fed them dry turnips he said do you want big watermelons I said yes I want great big watermelons he said Here's what you do, preacher. He said, you go and get you a bucket. He said, better yet, get you a glass mason jar. And he said, go get you a piece of cotton string. And he said, you dip one end of that cotton string down in that mason jar. And he said, you can put anything in that mason jar you want. He said, you can put molasses in it. You can put blackberry juice in it. He said, you can put lemon juice in it. You can put anything you want in it. He said, put that cotton string down in that mason jar. And he said, make sure that cotton string is good and immersed in that mason jar. He said, take the dry end of the string. And he said, attach it to where the watermelon is growing out at the bud. He said that cotton string will soak up what's ever in that jar and it will impute it. It'll put it inside of that watermelon. He said so if you want strawberry watermelon, he said you put strawberry jam in that jar and he said that cotton String will pull that jam out of that jar and put it inside of that watermelon. You know why you need to abide in Christ? You know why you need a good cotton cord, amen, between you and Christ? Because whatever's in Christ, if you abide in him, eventually you begin to suck it up and it'll begin to abide in you, and you'll have big fruit, big watermelons. He said, if you want 80-pound watermelons, put 80 pounds of water in that jar. He said, if you want 100-pound watermelon, he said, go out there and fill that jar. Every morning you'll have 100-pound watermelon. We fed our jars. We had 40 and 50 and 60-pound watermelons out there in that old dry, rocky ground. In fact, it's all rocks. We don't even have any ground. It's just rocks where we plowed. We broke two plows trying to plow our garden because we had little rocks that's about this big you got to abide in him because when you do you become valuable to him and because you're valuable to him he wants you connected to the trellis so that you'll produce fruit and I know that when we talk to you about getting connected and we talk to you about having more commitment to your church some of you it would be a huge step for you to just come back to church tonight I'm leaving after, the, after tonight, so I, I'm going to say my peace here. Hallelujah. But, but some of you, it would be a huge step of faith for you to get connected to a Sunday night service. And, and I know they've got other things going on here. You need to get connected to the trellis. And I know it feels like, well, they're asking more of me. I've only got a certain amount of time. Well, let me ask you, you only have a certain amount of time to live for Jesus before he comes or before something worse happens in this earth. You better be abiding in him right now. And there's just some things, let's just be honest with each other. There's just some things you just need to let go of. Just need to let go of. Let me tell you something. There's another scripture in your Bible that says, he who judges himself will not be judged. Which means you can prune some areas in your own life that the Holy Ghost doesn't even have to convict you of. You can convict yourself. And you can say, you know what? This ain't necessary. This is not applicable to me. This is not something that will better my life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to let it go. Because I want to serve closer and I want to abide in the vine. Would you stand with me all across this place? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know we've already had a great altar service this morning, but I just want to ask you some questions today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Are you, are you stuck Are you in the mud? Are you connected to the vine, but maybe a strong storm came and knocked you down off the trellis and you got down in the mud and you need the vine dresser to come with a bucket of water and the word and just pick you up and wash you off and reattach you to the trellis. If that's you this morning, you say, Brother B, I'm just kind of stuck. I'm in a stuck place and I need lifted up. I need lifted up. If that's you, would you raise your hand and put it back down this morning? Brother B, I need lifted up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Pastor, a lot of men responded, pastor. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? You know where we get the old expression stuck in the mud? That's where we get it from. It was from the vine dress. Vine dresser, a stick in the mud. You see, if you don't let him lift you up and pick you up and attach you to the trellis, you're just a stick in the mud. But if you're in this room this morning, you say, Brother B, I need lifted up. I want you to raise your hand and put it back down. I need lifted up. Nine people, Pastor. Eight are men, one woman. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you another question. Are you willing to let him prune you? Are you willing to let him prune you so he can get bigger fruit out of you? How many of you would say, this this ought to be everybody, but how many would say, Brother B, I, I want God to prune me because I want bigger fruit. Come on, look at, oh man, wow just a sea of hands, just a sea of people that says, I'm willing to be pruned. Look at me this morning. Lift up your head. Whenever you be careful when you ask God to bless you, you be real careful when you ask God to bless you because so many people say, Lord, I want to be blessed. Pray for me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless my family. Bless my children. When you say bless me, he gets the shears out because something's going to have to get cut because you can't get blessed unless something gets cut off because you won't have big fruit. So you be careful now when you say, Lord, bless me, all right? And let him prune you and abide in him. One more question. You see, fruitfulness requires constant abiding. And with every head up and every eye open in this room, if there's somebody in this room that say, Brother B, I'm, I'm, I'm not abiding in the bind. I'm not connected to Jesus, but I'd like to be before I leave this service. Would you raise your hand and put it back down? This morning, anybody, anybody in this place? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you today with love and with thanks.